Welcome to Zero Knowledge. I'm your host, Anna Rose. In this podcast, we will be exploring the latest in zero knowledge research and the decentralized web, as well as new paradigms that promise to change the way we interact and transact online. So we're back. This is our first episode of 2023 and our first after a three-week hiatus. Very nice to be back here. I hope you've had a little bit of a break. Um, Yeah, so this week's episode, we will be wrapping up our 2022 wrap-up with a little catch-up since our last episode. And we're also doing a look forward into 2023. I'd say like most of the episode is really about ZK use cases. We sort of explore areas where we think there might be some ZK activity. We also check in on kind of where certain use cases are at. Um, Yeah, and I hope you like it. Before we kick off, I do want to let you know that there is an upcoming ZK Summit 9. It's happening on April 4th in Lisbon. I'm very excited to once again invite some of the best researchers and practitioners in the space to present new research, new ideas, implementations. Um, It should be a really good time. We're also going to be doing a hackathon around this time, so keep an eye on our Twitter or Telegram channels for more info. I've added the link to apply for the summit in the show notes. Tickets are always limited, and it's always better if you go through the application process early. You have a better chance of getting a ticket that way. So be sure to sign up soon and hope to see you there. And now Tanya will share a little bit about this week's sponsors, Risk Zero and Anoma. Ever wish you could use existing Rust libraries and ZK? A friendly reminder from the team at Risk Zero that you can. Things like proof of checkmate, blinded proof of password complexity, and even proving things like protobufs are straightforward when you can use existing code. To learn more, check out the Risk Zero video tutorials from the last ZK hack at youtube.com forward slash at Risk Zero. That's R I S C Z E R O. You can also follow them on Twitter at Risk Zero to make sure you don't miss their upcoming 1.0 launch and the alpha launch of the Bonsai Network. So thanks again, Risk Zero. Anoma's first fractal instance, Namada, is launching soon. Namada is a proof-of-stake L1 for interchain asset-agnostic privacy. Namada natively interoperates with fast finality chains via IBC and with Ethereum via a trustless two-way bridge. For privacy, Namada deploys an upgraded version of the multi-asset shielded pool circuit, otherwise known as MASP, which allows all assets, fungible and non-fungible, to share a common shielded set. This way, transferring a CryptoKitty is indistinguishable from transferring ETH, DAI, Atom, Osmo, NAM, Namada's native asset, or any other asset on Namada. The MASP circuit's latest update enables shielded set rewards directly in the shielded set, a novel feature that funds privacy as a public good. Visit namada.net for more information and join the community on Discord via discord.gg forward slash Namada. So thanks again, Anoma. And now, here's our episode. So I want to welcome back to the show my awesome sometimes co-hosts, Tarun, Guillermo, and Kobe. Welcome. What up? Hey. Nice to be here. A quick note, Kobe did let us know that he might have to bounce off this one early, but in the meantime, I hope we can cover some really good ground on ZK use cases. Basically, I want to use this episode to talk about what is exciting in ZK and what might be coming next. This is our look forward part of the wrap up episode that we started last month. So maybe before we jump into the future stuff, let's get a quick recap of what actually happened since we last spoke. So we recorded our last episode on December 12th. I think in it, we were even talking about SBF going to jail or not going to jail that day after we recorded, he, he was arrested. 
And then at the same time, Tarun, you had mentioned something like, I hope there aren't any more dominoes that can fall before the end of the year. Like there was something else you were kind of worried about for those that last 19 days of the year. I wanted to check in about that. One, what are those dominoes? And two, have they fallen? I mean, I guess the last one was the Genesis uh, DCG stuff, which seems to have erupted like last week. Yeah. Where uh, the Winkle-Y kind of are like basically saying they're going to sue them and trying to get uh, DCG to fire its founder. So uh, that didn't blow up, but it's not looking like it won't blow up, if that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It's not looking like it won't blow up is what, what a statement. But I do wonder, like, given that this seems to be primarily in the CFI or like crypto in TradFi realm, does this still have an impact on DeFi? Yes and no. I mean, I think a lot of the centralized lenders did actually source liquidity from DeFi or provide it. So there's some sense in which they're they're still kind of connected. But it probably doesn't really affect it in the long run. I think the bigger thing is just more like net market confidence in like, the centralized entities that haven't died. Uh, you know, if everyone is dying like dominoes then and no one survives, then it's sort of like that would be bad from the perspective of like there's no on-ramps anymore. Mm. But yeah, I, I, I don't think it would have like destroyed stuff, but it would have obviously caused a lot of havoc, um, especially if they have to liquidate private positions and stuff like that. Um, a little bit like FTX caused kind of this huge panic. Mm. Do you think we're still at risk of that? Then, yeah, recording today on January 11th, are we still in a position where like something like that can happen in the next month? Or do you feel like somehow the worst is behind us? After the last six months, I don't think I ever uh, can assert that type of claim again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe this is then a good time to switch gears and start talking a little bit more about what's coming up and specifically what's going on in the ZK space. Over the holidays, Kobe and I went on another podcast. We went on Epicenter. And in that, we actually covered a lot of ZK use cases. I can add the links to that in the show notes if people want to see the whole thing. But actually, I wanted to start off this look forward into the new year with sort of a short summary of some of those interesting use cases that we mentioned there. Kobe, I don't know if you want to take it away and and start this off. Yeah, let's talk about some experiments I, th- I think like one, one thing that we're we're seeing more this year, which we haven't seen before, or I guess last year, um, is that we see people being able to use the ZK tooling to deploy applications that are user facing and are a bit further away from just research or just proof of concepts. So I think like we had this cabal application, which was really fun. Like you could have groups that are pseudonymous in Discord and like other other locations, um, which use ZK membership, which previously I think the only on-chain use case that we had for it was for mixers and like anonymous messaging like in Semaphore, but that, that was a fun one. There was also this cool experiment with recursive snarks, which like the first time that was deployed by an independent developer and rather than like a company like Mina that was deploying it, but so you can prove how close you are to Vitalik. Oh yeah, this is the ETH DOS project. <laughs> so what's the, your degree of separation? Like that's the ETH DOS. Uh, yeah. So you, I have a good number, I think. But uh, <laughs> oh, really? 
Yeah, but because because I, 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 I because I know the developer, that's the only reason I have a good number. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a score. Yeah. You get a score for how close you are. But what's the I actually have always been curious, what's the actual linking point? Like what's the tool that's yeah. linking? Is it GitHub, Twitter, ETH addresses? What is, the graph? what is it? I think basically it's just a signature because you get a link from someone that they say, uh, like, this link shows that you know the person that sent you the link. Oh. And then you just uh. write, like, a recursive proof that uh, that takes the previous proof that is in that link that shows, okay, this is degree two, and then you can create a new proof Funny. of degree three. And so is like, it, it's three private. Goal. Right. So you know the degree, but you don't know who yeah, you've exactly. gone through? Yeah, exactly. You don't know okay. the whole path. That's oh, interesting. Path. This is, it's, what is yeah. it? It used to be... Five degrees from Kevin Bacon? Wasn't that what it was? Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Six degrees. Okay, six degrees. But it's kind of a stupid number. That like six, the six was like not even like the median of the degree distribution. Yeah, I I don't know actually where they came up with it. I think it just six was just like the movie was called that. Oh, right. They just like, but it has, it had very little fact, factual basis. I think in the ZK space, it's more like three, two, (laughs) two. Okay, fine. I mean, I don't know. Two like, degrees like from, from Yeah, I mean, it, everyone yeah, through, the, the, through the diameter because... of the ZK graph has to be. I, I would, I would pretty small. Like, I, right. I feel like the expected <laughs> diameter of like, if I did a random walk, is less than two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, even in math from Erdos, it's like still quite small, right? It's like six or something or seven. Is that to yeah, like yeah, anyone yeah. on the planet? Or something? What is the to ma- from mathematicians to like this like very famous? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, very... the, the best version of these is the uh, what? It, what was it? Is the like um, Natalie Portman, Kevin Bacon, Erdos number or whatever? Ooh. Because Natalie Natalie Portman has a finite Erdos number. I think it's like three. <laughs> oh wow! Yep, something quite low. Uh, and then basically, like, yeah, nice. Well, there's the yeah the, the Metallica Bacon Erdos number. I think is what it is, or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and it's like uh, if you've ever put out an album, right? And like you probably have a finite Metallica number because you've worked with someone who's worked with someone who's worked with someone who like helped worked on the one some Metallica album. <laughs> there, then there's a finite Bacon number, which means that you starred in a movie or did were in some piece of media, uh, which had someone who had someone who had someone you know who like sixfold who like, had worked whatever with was him. was in part of the Bacon movie and yeah. then, uh, or Kevin Bacon movie and then so on and so forth for for papers as well. Yeah. Uh, so that's the coolest. Oh. But unfortunately, I'm still I'm still seeking a finite uh, Erdos Bacon number. Wait, still. wait, wait, wait. You you don't have a finite Erdos Bacon number? No, I have a finite Erdos number. Do you know uh, your no Erdos number? Bacon. I think it's like th- three. I think it's uh, actually. Yeah, I, I think, think yours is three too. Minus actually. three. I think we're both. T- yeah, we're, we're both three for the same reason. Yeah. Uh, which is Steven. Yeah. So. Oh, nice. uh, actually, I have another route to three, but yeah, it's oh, interesting. Oh, that's spicy. Okay, yeah, <laughs> but it's it's so, yeah. a, it's a funny it's a funny thing, uh, which means like I guess Guillermo, you got to go become an actor soon. I know uh, clearly that's the that's the like, obvious that's, next that's conclusion like, here. Very clearly, you're in the wrong career right now. You got to you got to <laughs> quit, start acting, and like figure out how to get close to people who've been in movies with Natalie Portman. <laughs> It would be cool to have the lowest number, but I think the lowest number is pretty low. Actually, it's like four. So yeah, I mean, actually, this is a good question though. In crypto, maybe there's like you know, when social networks first started growing, you know, let's say even MySpace, like two thousand mid two thousands, there was a lot of stuff about people trying to be like, how many friends can you really have online? Mm. And like people were like, <laughs> oh, there's like this like limit of like a hundred or whatever, and then people kept coming with all these different like half 
graph theory half sociological like observation per uh, like statements of like oh this is like how many friends you should have or how many degrees of separation you should be an interesting question is like in in the crypto world how is that different given the lack of identity like does that number go down does the number go up mm. are we going to see these kind of like sociological theories for like how connected certain addresses should be there's also, isn't it sort of weird online? Cause there's also people who have multiple identities. You might be friends with like three people that are the same person. Right, right, right. That's <laughs> what I mean. So it's, 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 it's sort of like interesting of like, you know, I, I guess in Solana, right? Like the, the one guy who deployed all the contracts that, uh, got used, uh, in, in their, in oh. their like DeFi bull run. Uh, I'm sure he has like the highest, you know, degree, you know, highest connectivity of everyone. He's like, uh, <laughs> wow. If you ran PageRank on Solana, you probably just get to him or Anatoly, <laughs> like with probability one always. Star. All right, let's continue then. Let's yeah. keep keep uh, the new use cases rolling. Yeah, and I think another cool one that I've seen that I also had fun participating in was this Anon thing where you, like they created these Twitter users, I guess, that allow you to tweet if you were part of some known group. So oh. one of the groups that they created was the DAO hack oh. victims, I guess. Um, and yeah, I, th I think I was the only one that tweeted from there. So yeah, I, I'm de-anonymizing myself. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. We know who posted those tweets. Hey, Anon was yeah. the project. Yeah, so like they have multiple Twitter users for different use cases like um, Xerox Spark participants and DAO hack victims and some other ones. Mm. So, like, I really like the integration with the real world rather than just being this own chain use cases. Yeah. So that's what I found fun about all of these three. Tarun, I want to throw to you. Is there any, like, upcoming ZK projects, experiments that you think have high potential? Something maybe to look out for? Yeah, I mean, I think we talked a little bit about it in the summary of like the idea of language models having some form of distributed training or distributed verification. You know, I think we're very far from that. But yeah. the fact that, you know, people have been able to snark ImageNet and snark like medium size neural nets sort of says, you know, we're in a world where people could get this verifiability. And, you know, I think if you look at OpenAI, they've like, or DeepMind, they've like hired all these people to like, do not ZK based verifiability like Scott Aronson and stuff uh, for like proving that like some content was made by, you know, uh, a model or not. And I think like fundamentally ZK is going to be the only way to do that. I just don't mm. think that all of these like kind of half-assed watermark solutions are going to really work. That's an interesting hot take. I mean, I, I do, I do want to see like how people can reduce the, trust in training specifically i mean it's not as as like i don't know as sexy of a problem i guess but if we can get to some situation where it's the same trust as a trusted setup where we can have one honest participant and we can know on what data a model was trained i think that would be really cool yeah i guess like i still am a little confused with what the use cases of like verifiable you know, image net predictions are, I, you know, like, I, I don't know, right? Like, or not predictions, I guess, uh, like classification is. Yeah. What is, what is the active use case here for like, we have a model, we like verify that the output is, is indeed from that model. What do we do with that? So I, I, I think this idea of like, 
you know, the value that people get from social networks, Mm -hmm. you know, if we try to like decompose that value into value they get from content generated by other humans, content generated by uh, purely algorithmic means and content generated by like a combination of the two, like let's roughly speaking, bucket into those three. I think like the more scarce that the content that's actually generated by human gets, the more people value that over time versus like the algorithmic content is going to be everywhere. Sure. And being able to prove that you're not algorithmic content and or having the algorithmic content forced to verify itself and prove that it is algorithmic will sort of be this thing that makes the the real content value go up right like it's it's like it's like the vinyl records right like everyone's like vinyl records are dead you know right but like ironically they make more money for a lot of record labels make more money from vinyl records than they do from any of their other digital uh forms of selling stuff because people buy it as merch and i sort of think content on the internet will have that will be the vinyl records where you know if you can identify that content was or something was made algorithmically uh, and it's sort of like a standard that everyone can verify, then suddenly your single origin human created thing becomes just worth a lot more. Whoa. What what, what are the other fair trade human content? Fair trade, organic, <laughs> non-GMO human content <laughs> or non-computer modified CMO, maybe? I, this is, again, this is all just my opinion. Like this, you know, obviously it's like, I, I don't know. Read, read, ask some sci-fi author. They probably have a much larger thesis than I do on this. I, I'm not fully sure I understand like how, how one would prove the non-provenance or the provenance of like a fake not being from a computer, right? Like fundamentally that separation feels actually much more difficult to prove than not. Than not. Yeah, I, but but I would say networks can enforce that any algorithmic content generated had to be has to post some provenance proof in order for it to use their API or something, right? I mean, you could always like have this open source people create different version that doesn't do it. So I don't know. Yeah, just like repost it. Yeah, for sure. I, I, de- I I'm definitely not saying that there's a foolproof way of doing it, but I I, I do believe that there will be this like monetary premium. Yeah, yeah. In the yeah. same way that like art gets more valuable when someone commits suicide or they die, yeah. uh, or definitely way more when it's suicide versus just normal death. I, I kind of think this is going to end up being the same thing, and hmm. like somehow, yeah, single origin human content might e- be inferior, might like, you know have not be like as precise or might not have like as much, you know, descriptive desert data, but for, for some reason it will be worth more and it'll be like art. I, I just like, it's like hard for me to imagine that not happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I believe the, the general gist. I just don't know if ZK proofs is going to be the, the way to do it. That's, that's where I diverge but, but the, a little the bit. The proposals we see a lot of right now are like all these like statistical watermarking mechanisms. Oh yeah. Like, and like those things all seem like fine. Having to run the modified version that doesn't need the proof is one thing, but these like things that you can actually fool with like very simple adversarial models seem like not the, you know, we we're just back to this whole, like, the, you know, people in ML have this version of what they think like private ML is, and like it, it half the time it always gets attacked. And you know, yeah. actually, we had an episode with Florian, who's a professor at, at ETH, about about exactly this phenomenon, which is like, you know, in, in machine learning, there's kind of much less of the, the the notion of privacy is so weak, and these these watermarking things look exactly the same. So 
I'm quite nebulous on them. I think all of those are just so that big companies can tell like regulators, like, hey, we checked the box, we tried. But I think ZK is the only thing that will actually provide some actual guarantees, not just some sort of like bullshit we added noise. Ho- hope it lo- you know doesn't look like a human. What do you think this year, though, like, what do you think we could see in that way, like in the ZKML front? Do you think, I mean, I guess we could see new projects who are trying to do it. Do you think we'll be like actually hearing new use cases being proposed? Yeah, I kind of wonder, like, at least when I talk to other people, they're like, time frame wise, we might be looking at seven years <laughs> or something. <laughs> like, it might not be a, a two year three-year type thing? I think related to what Tarun was saying, like you you have this maybe middle grounds. So for example, what WorldCoin is doing or what we talked about with uh, Dan in, in on Epicenter or actually in our episode as well, um, where you have signed inputs like either from the orb or from the cameras. So that helps a bit alleviate the worries of adversarial in, like scenarios. So then you can offload or move all the um, detection models to run on the client side, which mm. is interesting because then you have privacy against the servers. Interesting. And you ah. don't worry as much about adversarial inputs. But uh, so that, that could be an interesting use case that doesn't take too long to deploy. Maybe actually that, that time frame was also talking about, because as I learned through that interview with Florian, the the difference between like uh, inference and model training. So like yeah. everything we're talking about right now, I think is the inference side, right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. using existing models, but then it's the model training, trying to do that in private would probably take a lot longer. That That is effectively impossible. Yeah, I, 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 super I, hard. So I'm still, I'm, I'm effectively gonna just assume that's not gonna happen. Okay. Uh, actually, there are people, Pretty important people in the systems agree with you, actually. Through, I, I mean, I agree with you, actually, was uh, quite a bit. But there was recently a paper that uh, attempted to disagree with you. I think. Uh, I think. I think. Like, if you jointly optimize some type of like how big your model is versus how much privacy you want, type of thing, maybe. But training is also just like a dark art versus inference, right? Inference is a very well defined algorithm. Like, you know, there's like it's like almost deterministic. Uh, training involves like I do batch norm on a random layer. I like suddenly truncate a bunch of other things. You know, there's like so much dark art in that stuff that I I hesitate to even even if you did, were able to prove that you could do it for one model, it'll never scale to the way people like build models. Maybe, maybe if you save some seeds and randomness, that could make we could make some progress. But it's I don't, I'm not sure. Kobe, I know you have to bounce early, but yes. thanks for those use cases. Thank you for having me and good to see you all. Yes, and uh, excited for our next episodes yes. coming up in the next few weeks. Ooh. Right. Catch you later, Kobe. Bye-bye. Thanks, Kobe. So now we'll we'll continue without Kobe. We're going to continue with a couple use cases. I'm curious if you, I think both of you could probably speak on this, but I don't think we would have talked about this last year, but it was the ZK Bridges. Like we did talk about it in 2022, but I know that that, really kind of came into a fore in the last few months. Do you see more things in 2023 around ZK Bridges? I mean, more meaning like the people who are working on it will deliver deliver things, things. yes. (laughs) Uh, More in the sense of like new algorithms, maybe not. I I feel like right now it feels, ZK Bridging feels like the type of thing where it's like, 
we have enough of a design space and now it's about just like optimizing the code to actually run fast, right? It's like, mm. it's like proof of stake hit the same stride in like late 2018 or mid to late 2018, where it was like, all the ideas are on the table. There's not yeah. that much else you're going to do. It's just like implement them. And then you have this like Make them good, couple yeah. of years of engineering. It feels more like that than it feels like, a, like there's some big unsolved mechanistic thing that is out there. I don't know. Guillermo, what do you think? I mean, there's really, I don't know, like, there's certainly some art to it, but, like, for the most part, it's kind of like, you know, we have these consensus things we're following, right, whatever, it's consensus rules we're following, we need to, like, verify them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's, like, maybe some set of ways that you can make something slightly smaller, slightly larger, but at the end of the day, you're kind of just, like, doing the thing, right? Like, there's not, like, some, like complicated difficult hard elliptic curves question in there i mean there might be but but like it's pretty unlikely right like for the Mm. most part it's like we it's now more an engineering problem than it is a research problem maybe is the which is good which is good in a lot of right right like 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 part of the 2017 boom stupidity was like everyone and their mom if they had chat gpt you know, they wrote things that sounded like they came out of ChatGPT for describing why their <laughs> proof of stake mechanism is better. And they had like no way of like proving why or how mm. or whatever. And I think by mid 2018, it became a lot more clear. There's like, there's only a few way, few things you can really do, few ways you can like directions you can like make some particular large changes in. And then it was like the teams that had the most capital just like went down those roads. Yeah. I wonder, do you do you see like the ZKVM, ZKEVM in a similar state as Bridges? Like a lot of the ideas have been quite fleshed out and now it's about implementation and the sort of who's going to win is still kind of up for grabs. Like who implements fastest, how like we don't actually have metrics on a lot of these things yet. So, you know, because, because the task is so much more like complicated, large in the space, I, I do mean like large and like this weird you know, one we're like kind of doing arbitrary computation, one we're kind of not. Um, there are probably a few more tricks to be played, but I do think it looks much more like engineering than research still. Yeah. Um, I think if there are improvement, like systematic improvements, it'll probably come more from like better tooling uh, for like ZK, you know, in terms of optimization, in terms of what, whatever, any number of things. Mm-hmm. Then I think they will probably come from like, you know, really smart like individual optimizations so i i I do i'd still see that still as more of an engineering artsy fartsy part of engineering because it does require some tricks but but still engineering than like you know what what is like pure research of like ah let's figure out this like general thing that has all these like you know nebulous questions about it yeah i mean arguably zkvm has a bunch of open problems but they're not like theoretical problems about zk they're much more just about like you know uh have you have you ever seen that uh that that meme about like what modern software engineering is and it's like they take a bunch of plugs from different countries and then they stack them and until they all like interface correctly and they make this monstrosity (laughs) it's sort of like that more than it is like oh like you know you know how do i make a new zk mechanism Mm. I, i kind of feel like while there is a lot of stuff people are doing on DK mechanisms, um, I think more of the actual like true research seems to be on the MPC and FHE side. If I'm giving you kind of my stylized view of it, I, I actually wonder if we'll see more breakthroughs there than mm-hmm. in like actual ZK. Like there just seem to be some people who are really 
plugging away at FHE a little more after the last couple of years? Because I feel like there was like a, a little lull and people were like pretty down on it and then moved towards ZK. And I, I kind of feel like I've met more people who seem to be suddenly uh, thinking a lot more about FHE, uh, fully homomorphic encryption. Oh. Um, and so I'm not trying to say anything that's like some crazy thing like, oh yeah, we'll solve it by next year. But like if I were to place like lottery ticket style bets on where you would have the research innovation, it's like in that realm. I think in terms of innovation in ZK, what I see happening more and more is like use cases like for these tools, like what we described earlier, these experiments, it's at the stage where people can actually do that. And so it's true that like, yes, there are, I mean, I think we've actually felt that since 2019. In 2019, Mm -hmm. there were like breakthroughs coming in. And then early 2020, it was like plonk comes out. And since then, there have been a few milestone breakthroughs, but it definitely got, it was like lots of papers being published, lots of small, interesting, incremental, incremental add-ons. Yeah. Yeah, But less of that, like, you know, paradigm shifting research coming out. Yeah. I think that makes sense. That's why my bet is actually that it will come in like these things that people are quite negative on, but are like starting to switch a little bit on, or so it seems. Like just in terms of big research breakthroughs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I also think that like the frontier for FHE is quite a bit more open for these breakthroughs than like mm. ZK. Like I feel, you know, the, the, maybe there's like another inflection point for ZK, but it does feel like we're like very quickly leveling off yeah, on yeah. like the, the low hanging fruit. Unless someone comes up with some crazy new technique that just like opens up a new field. But that, that seems, you know, as time goes on more and more unlikely. I think that's fair. But I want to explore one use case that actually I think it might have been, Guillermo, I think this might have been the first time you came on the show. I think we oh, talked no. a little bit about this. I, I mean, I think it was the private DEXs. Oh, like yeah. The okay. idea of a private DEX, what was, what you needed for a DEX to be called private, because there's like parts that can be made private and other parts that can't, but then can you really keep certain things private if other information is available? I do wonder, like, just checking back in on that, where are we at with private DEXs? Have we, like, has there been a standard decided on? I mean, I don't, there's, there's not that many groups doing it. I still think it's pretty like yeah wild westy I, I think there's some initial answers for sure which have interesting prop actually w- weirdly enough i guess m- maybe the way to describe it is it's a bit of an open space still sure i mean that's the obvious way of describing it but within that there's like a big spectrum where you trade off uh, uh, fundamentally right like kind of and and i don't know if you recall i think you're acknowledged in this paper for like inspiring it oh. um like there <laughs> exists this funny <laughs> like open space of like, you know, privacy can't really, or when we say privacy, we mean specifically like one cannot reconstruct individual trades from like, just by like viewing public data. I just know that's actually a surprisingly difficult thing to achieve. Right. And that's kind of what we outlined there. Um, But that also means that there's kind of like always a fundamental trade-off between kind of how quickly things get executed and at what price they get executed at, like trades, I, I mean, and uh, like privacy, right? And there's, mm-hmm. we I think we now have some ideas for certain solutions, right? In the sense of like, like Penumbra is one example. Yeah, yeah. Um, where you you have a little bit of this trade-off between privacy and what, what one might call economic efficiency or whatever. Um, but I don't think the trade-off has been fully explored. Um, 
For example, mm -hmm. Penumbra uses a very particular mechanism for how to kind of scramble together trade, so to speak. Um, and, and it turns out it has kind of interesting properties. Yeah, we did an interview. We actually could link to that. We did an interview with Henry where we talked a little bit about that particular model. But I do wonder, like, have you been following that space? Is there any other... Like, are there unanswered questions? There are models that maybe have been sort of proposed, but not explored, not implemented. There are some. Most people see, for some reason, like the hot thing within privacy turns out to be like, I think people call it like RFQs or whatever. Is that what it is? Yeah. Tarun? So it's like yeah. somehow like everyone thinks that a private DEX is solved by like, making a private like rfq what does that stand for request for quotes so it basically just means like i say i want to trade five anna coins for guillermo coins and i say okay here's here's how much i want what's the price then you get you you know the mechanism goes and queries people uh who are willing to take the other side of that and then gives you the minimum of their thing so the places where you could make that private or are that the you know and and sort of one bad thing that might happen is like say you say you want to buy 10 percent of the anacoin supply well if i tell the mechanism that and then it goes and asks all the people who want to sell guillermo coin they may collude and say like wow anna's dumb she's like selling 10 percent of this like let's let's collude to give her a horrible price mm. right that's that's like one one mechanism that so the, the the notions of privacy you need there are can you submit your trade size privately can is that and but can it be done in such a way that the people who are then providing you know bids to you uh can get enough information such that they can give an accurate price that that mm -hmm. makes sense um and, and in some sense you have to have like privacy on both sides but also some amount of information that's shared but it's very like you can analyze each of these components separately which is why i think people are you know People from the privacy lens want to do it. it. It's a little bit more like over the counter trading though than it is like like trading against an AMM. It's it doesn't feel uh -huh. like continuous trading, right? It's like there's many interactions. Like I have to go, you have to go give the the amount you want. Then it has to go message everyone who's willing to be a liquidity provider. Then take those, compute some function of that, return to you. Then you say you execute, right? Whereas Uniswap, it's like a one click, one message type of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So this communication complexity aspect of these is is actually quite important. And I think I haven't seen anyone on the privacy side who's actually focused on the fact that you're reducing the quality of trading by forcing people to have many different rounds of communication. And like, what does that cost you? Mm. Right. For some reason, like that's been that specific mechanism has been what's been like, I've seen some amount of exploration, actually, even that, not that much, but uh, let's say claim exploration. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually shockingly difficult to understand. But kind of on the deck side, there really hasn't been that much more. I haven't really seen that much personally. Yeah. I don't know exactly why, but I mean, it's fine. I wonder, well, I mean, tornado happened and it might have maybe made some people a little bit more cautious to explore that right now. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's just kind of a funny thing because it's like, it's a cool open problem. I mean, yeah. You know, you maybe if you think that like Penumbra is the end state of, of private decentralized exchanges, then in that case, surely like that, you know, go work for Penumbra or something instead of like mm. making your own. But I, I, there is an open question of whether there are more interesting mechanisms. I think there are. Um, I, I mean, the place I think that's in between these two is sort of like 
mechanisms that involve sort of like many auctions that are involved. Right. So like, you know, actually I'm writing this kind of short paper on this right now, but I was actually trying to study this like a uh, gradual Dutch auction thing. This like oh. this, the whatever, I mean, art gobblers, gross, disgusting, whatever. I, I could never, never imagine liking the, the art or game. Like it's kind of gross, but I think the, the, the mechanism is actually kind of interesting. If you try to like understand when it's sort of, incentive compatible or not the current version uh that you know the one that art gobblers uses and and sort of like dan et al made is technically not incentive compatible but there's a way to hmm. to basically modify it and like i think once this the the space of things that are like continuous repeated auctions that you can join and leave whenever you want and there's sort of some some like supply it's sort of like a middle ground between the pure RFQ, which is like lots of back and forth to do anything versus like the Uniswap, like, hey, there's just like continuous trading. Hmm. And I think that space is actually a place where you can make things pri a lot more private. But but I think you first need to actually like flesh out the design space of that, of like, here are mechanisms that could work not privately. Here's how they work. Like or original exponential gradual Dutch auction is, is like right idea sort of, but like wrong parameterization and wrong model for like the curve. It's sort of like, it's as if I did a Uniswap curve that was linear when Uniswap started and it didn't, didn't mm. really like, it wasn't able to take off. I kind of think that GDA has that problem right now, but um, yeah, systematically studying that I think will lead to some private routes. And like, there's some sense in which, you know, the real North Star for a private deck should be that there should be some mechanism where trading liquid tokens and NFTs should be the same. You just like parameterize it differently for both in some way. And you can kind of interpolate between the two so that you do just kind of like one type of trading vehicle that lets you do everything. And right now we, you see like the Vespers of that, right? It's like Uniswap bought that aggregator and like for their NFT exchange, it's like mainly an aggregation mechanism. But there's some clear thing where there's like a, a design space, like prior to making it private, that unifies trading these like non-fungible type of things with liquid tokens. And then you try to make that thing private. So that that's sort of, if I were to give mm. you the two-year vision of this, that would be what I would say is like missing. And, you know, I think part of it is like, people aren't that interested in building those things when there's not much trading volume. Mm -hmm. uh, so like there's certainly that aspect that you can't ignore, but maybe, you know, like Uniswap, like someone will in the bear market be bored and interested. And I, I think like that's more likely the, the thing to look out for. But again, I think the design space needs to be fleshed out. Like, like I said, I, I think there is some sense in which the North star shouldn't just be private decks or like private RFQ. It should be like, I want to trade NFTs and t liquid tokens almost in the same way. And that thing, if it works, should be able to be made private. Mm. But that might be a lofty goal, right? Like, I, I, you, yeah, know, yeah. you have to, you have to have like kind of the hotspot to believe that that thing can be built and whatever. It sounds actually a little bit like a Noma's pitch, but actually I want to know in the larger DeFi ecosystem, are there any other places where ZK is being incorporated? Even like maybe on the MEV front, like, is there any sort of place that you do see some sort of incorporation that we haven't seen yet or you could see? I don't know, actually. I, don't, I, I haven't seen any. So 
usually what happens specifically with an MEV, right, is like ZK is kind of used for two things. It's used for privacy. Yeah. And it's for proving the correct execution of something. In the case of MEV, there's often relatively succinct ways of proving the correct execution of or the correct solution or without actually like requiring the full machinery of ZK. Mm-hmm. So for the most part within MEV, the like real, so to speak, like, you know, use of ZK is actually more as a privacy tool. Not always, perhaps. I mean, there might be exceptions to this rule, but for the most part, it's used as a privacy tool rather than as like a succinct proof tool, a correct execution tool or whatever you want to call it. Hmm. Right. Um, which is, which is distinguished from ZK almost everywhere else where it's uses both roughly equal, if not actually more in the succinct side than, than the privacy side. Hmm. So, I mean, one place where it's, it has already been at least proposed is in the voting part. So maybe it won't be in the kind of protocol level, like the software level of the actual mechanism, but rather in the voting or governance side of things with voting using something like CLR Fund or Macy as private voting, but also this idea of like anonymous multisigs. You know, you heard about Constitution DAO too? I heard about it. I actually have no idea what its, uh, you know, new and improved version is. I well, have- I don't actually, I haven't tracked it, so I don't know where it's at. But I do know that, like, Dan had done work on creating private DAOs. The idea here would be, like, specifically in the case of an auction, if you are bidding against other people and you can see exactly how much they have, this is, like, maybe in a real-world auction, yep. and it's really hard to sort of, like win your auction if yours is visible it's kind of puts you at a disadvantage and this in this way you could actually create sort of a a private treasury amount when participating in an auction interesting and i don't know if this fully connects to DeFi, but i know like voting in general and doing that privately might help Um, but has that been explored at all like has there been any kind of major projects that have even like worried about it or discussed any sort of privacy in the voting or do you almost feel like it's it's antithetical because like you want reputation on the line when you're in those in those spaces yeah it's sort of both uh part of it is like the existing ones want the latter um there were certainly some very bad actors of late 2021 to early 2022 voting wise i mean Mm. the easiest example was was wonderland um, but there were a ton of other like voting malfeasance types of things. Also, the V model kind of like distorts that, and we've seen some crazy things, like the the thing that happened to Balancer a few months a month ago. So, I would say like people focus way more on the voting mechanics slash payment side so far. There's a huge disconnect between like real projects that are live and zk intern projects like at CRX Park and stuff, where there's like tons of these like, hey, how do you do private dev voting? So, uh, and I think part of it is like, it's just not very robust right now. Mm-hmm. And also the voting mechanisms, like you need some form of credibility that that needs to also exist. Um, and I actually, there I mean credibility in sort of like a, a technical sense, which is, you know, if, if the entire DAO was completely private and you're voting and, you know, this like whatever, I, I forget what Phil Dion likes to call it, dark DAOs, but I, I, I don't really like the, I, I think like privacy shouldn't be connotated as light or dark. It's just a, its own thing. But, mm. uh, you know, hey, like you'll never know where, where the money is going to be, where it's going, how things are voted on, whatever. So like, can you actually have credibility? Can you have any notion that like people aren't cheating in that system? 
So yeah, so there's definitely that in the practical side. I think that's what's keeping it from reality. But I think like if there were some set of very good queries where you could prove some state of all the voters in aggregate that gives you confidence that it wasn't manipulated or like some some type of thing, like some aggregate statistic can be monitored that's public, you might get to that. But yeah, there, there just hasn't been that much. I, I think like there's this huge divide in that the like people on the ZK side are like, oh yeah, isn't it obvious why wouldn't you use this? But they like completely ignore the sort of like socio-political dynamic aspects. Mm. And so that that kind of I feel like is why they're separated. Yeah, and this Constitution Now 2 thing I think is like probably the only thing that's trying. I I haven't really looked at that hard. I saw some people shilling it on Twitter, but didn't. Yeah. I I, I tried to take I tried to take an actual vacation and not read any. What's <laughs> <laughs> I, I, what's funny about this is I remember you uh mentioning like Constitution DAO 1.0 was like people, you know, like DAOs learning about adverse selection in, in yeah. real auctions, right? And it's like, and, and I actually remember you saying something like, um, privacy tools are probably going to be more useful for DAOs at the beginning because they're going to be expensive to use and, and kind of difficult, annoying than they are for like the average Joe or whatever because of this fact, right? Right, like, right. But, but the the average DAO participant is an average Joe at this point, right? No, no, exactly. So, so there's, so there's I, sort of this like very weird thing of like that DAOs are democratic, but only democratic for people who understand how to use wallets and block explorer as well. Of course. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which, right? which, I mean, which, which isn't necessarily like a bad thing. I mean, anyone can go learn how to do that, but it's not going to be like everyone, right? Right. I yeah, I mean, I think the other things that are are kind of like interesting i mean the, the thing i'm still focused on and and but like again this is a little bit like this idea of like the how do you do nft trading and normal trading all in the same way nft mev auctions also like certainly i i still stand by my claim last year that they will be the number one consumer or producer of value using zk at some point and when i say zk there i'm using it in the venture investor sense of mpcs fhe zk <laughs> Uh, but I, I am purposely ignoring SGX because I, I don't think long-term SGX will, will survive in that. So I think there are a few more categories in the ZK space that are emerging that we should mention here. One is like just to keep an eye on ZK gaming. Dark Force came out, I think, in 2019 and obviously blazed a trail. But I know that there's still been a lot of experimentation around this. And I'm hoping that we start to see like another breakthrough with ZK gaming. Another space to keep an eye on would be ZK Social. So this is things like Semaphore, private messaging, or trying to rebuild any sort of social network with ZK mm, and some mm -hmm. sort of privacy. Um, and sort of close in proximity to both of those topics would be ZK ID. This has been proposed for a while, but I actually think this year we're going to see it being used a lot more. Mm -hmm. I know that there's a few really key projects like IDEN3 has been working on this for a really long time. There's also a company called Sismo. ZKV is an investor there. Sismo, like every time I see one of their presentations, I kind of like understand better how powerful this can be. Like I'm going to take a step back into like what ID is usually. So if you think about it, like say you're trying to get a passport or you're trying to get some sort of identity card. Usually what you have to do is fill out a form with a ton of information. Some of that will be used on the card. Some of it is actually used by this third party, like governmental body to prove that you are who you say you are. Um, but once that's proven, it's sort of like, it's made private, actually. Again, it's not shared further on the card or on the passport. What's on the passport is just your public facing version. 
And I think when it comes to on-chain identity stuff, right now at least, without ZKPs, it's extremely transparent. So it's like everything you do that adds reputation, it's sort of visible. And say you want to issue a PO app or you want to offer like, oh, you participated in our airdrop or you did some action, you're, you're still kind of linking the action with the address that's going to get the reward or certificate or stamp or PO app or token or whatever. And so it's extremely public. What these new projects are offering is a way to kind of cut that link so you can actually prove that you've done something. So like build reputation, offer all those documents, have your private data, have it somehow kind of checked, but it's not checked by a third party. I'll use the example of Sysmo where what they're actually doing is like you can prove, for example, that you like you have a Twitter account that's on a certain list or you have like participated in some sort of protocol, you've done some sort of trade, you've added liquidity, you've taken a loan, you've done some sort of action, and you can then kind of choose to create an attestation. So this you think is something that could like show reputation. It kind of proves your humanness, maybe your, your participation in a certain community, but you can actually create it from one location, but send that attestation or badge, or in their case, it's like a, uh, one of those NFTs that can't be moved. Uh, it's whole bound. <laughs> Love that term. But yeah, you, you basically can put that into another address that you control and then use that to sign things. So it's like you can, yeah, it's a, it's a really cool idea. And um, I think with this tool or with even the concept of such a tool, I think there's a lot of very interesting use cases that could be created around uh, IDs, group membership, um, reputation. And yeah, I think it, I think it sort of takes it up a level. I think it's a really cool case for you, for ZK. Definitely not something I feel very well versed in and something I think I would love to explore more in future episodes. So are there any other use cases you think we've missed on this episode? I mean, I think the, uh, the real question is like in this kind of like prolonged bear market, like what the new types of assets will be that are needed in the next year. Cause like, I feel like each year seems to be punctuated by certain types of assets that are either created or destroyed. 2018, 2019 is like the Uniswap LP share or C tokens or A tokens. 2020 was probably like vaults, like urine vault, mm. like the notion of like those types of assets. Strategies. Yeah. Strategies. 2021 was probably just layer ones. I I don't even know what what NFT no. and other mm -hmm. types of NFTs. 15, 1155, stuff like that. 2022. Who the hell knows? Was, was the, the was lack the of claims, of destruction? the destruction? <laughs> yeah, the destruction of claims and all and all associated benefits. Uh, it, was, it was the stress so, test. So that 2023, was what's your what what type of asset do you predict? Like, and I know Anna's default prediction is private asset, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't Not know if this is the private. year of private assets. <laughs> like, no. I think my my current is like zk use cases, but I don't know what the tool there is. Like, what's the... yeah, yeah, but like, like a, a one way of rephrasing that question is like, what asset is important? Like, what will it? Because like that will actually end up mm. kind of dictating what the use case that gets adopted is if you work backwards. So it's like, what does that asset look like? Right? Like the twenty twenty innovation was like you can have like actively managed strategies. Right? Twenty 
2019 innovation right. was like passive. Everything was passive. Mm-hmm. 2021 was maybe like make your own non-security security. <laughs> 2022 was bridges at bridge assets blowing up. Actually, I, I actually would say synthetic claims across chains not across, not oh, being yeah, yeah. what like they wrapped. were. Uh, right. Like, but the bridge asset in my mind stands out. Like the bridged. Whether it's hmm. synthetic or native, I, I feel like anytime anyone tells me these like native bridged assets, they never really are when you read the contracts because like they have some clawback provision or like you have to put up some collateral. So you're really holding a portfolio. And so then it's like, uh, it's not really native in the sense of like, I went from ETH to Soul, I put in ETH, I get out Soul, I never have to think. And then when I go backwards, I get ETH and I never, you know, I never had like, like a centralized exchange. You don't think about that, right? But in bridges, you still have to spend all this time. I, I think the, the, the native asset bridge is a bit of a LARP so far. And at least the code, the contracts don't look like that. Okay. So 2023, let's say, let's say there's a new asset type. Maybe it's coming from ZK. What does it look like? <laughs> does it look like an oh NFT? Does it look like a strategy? Does it look oh, like a passive thing? Like what, how would you, what do you think that would look like? Yeah, I really don't know how to answer this. I'm so not thinking. I like I don't have any sense for an asset at all. Can I just I'm just going to say the the thing I I want and the thing I think needs to exist for that to exist. So the thing I'd like to see are ever more ZK use cases, kind of the creation of more black box easy to use out of the box tools, some sort of platform where people can actually build and deploy ZK things in Z, like in environments which are really, really catered to that. I know that there's a few projects aiming for that because really what I want to see by the end of the year is just a ton of really cool experiments. And I know this does not answer your question where you're really looking for like a ERC something, 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 uh, some sort of token standard, an asset standard. I don't have that. I don't like I I think it's really hard to predict what that looks like. To me, this is easier than predicting black swans, which was one of your original suggested <laughs> topics. Just as a Okay, fair, fair. Okay, well, what's yours? Do you have a good one? I think mine is like if there is some data structure that exists that allows you to simultaneously store private data, but like make provide some summary statistics of it, and you can like own some notion of like a fraction of that. Um, where like the the private assets are pooled together, but no individual like mm. can 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 control them in uniformly. But the public statistics are how people like have an understanding of what's happening, and you can own a share of that. So like, if, in a world where you had you could in a this non-existent world where you could have had like a totally private Uniswap LP share, like in theory that meets those criteria, right? Where it's like right. I have my liquidity. People don't know it's my liquidity, but I also know some pub- public thing. I know the price and I know, you know, the price impact. Um, but obviously, you know, that has this impossibility theorem. So, okay, let's now try to say like, what is something like that where you can pull together assets privately, but there's some public transparency around the aggregation of those assets and you own a frat, you can own fractions or trade fractions. Right. And then, and, and that's, it's not going to, like I said, it's not going to look like a DAX LP share. It's going to be something like that. Hmm. And whatever that is, I think the first ZK asset will look like that. First, like well used one. Could this sort of play into that concept of ZK ID then, where you do attestations privately to things existing? So there you'd be able to create 
like an attest, I mean, it already exists where they have an attestation badge that can be publicly shared and it reflects something private. I know this is like, I mean, this is usually used for events and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it's similar here, I guess, is the point. But here you have like more data. So one, one example is they can have an attestation that indeed the balance you have is greater than like a million or whatever, or whatever, you know, you the, the amount of token A, let's say we're talking about like a private LP share, right? Like you can attest to like individual elements of the um, share. Mm -hmm. Right. Let's say it's like you have like 10 coins in this LP share for some reason or another. Right. You can attest to the fact that like you, you know, the LP share and coin three has like this much without revealing anything else for the, the remaining parts of the share. I mean, that's one example. Right. Uh, you could also imagine like um, if you're collateralizing like a debt position using this thing. Right. You could say like based on the current price given by whatever exchange, the total worth of this share is X. Mm. But you actually don't know how, how much individual assets within the share are actually worth. That's one example. Of course, Tarun is talking about a slightly more general data structure than this specific case mm -hmm. that we can include maybe other things. But but the point is you can prove kind of like economic or non-economic, just like general, this is what I think he means by summary statistics, yeah. like yeah, statements yeah, yeah. about the claim, yeah. mm -hmm. right? So you can make claims about like this thing. You don't know what it is. Some like opaque object, but I can guarantee that it's worth is like whatever. Yeah. Not just not just worth. It can be attestations about the content, right? Anything, like any, any yeah. attestation okay. that's like. But my point is like you know one interesting thing. If I take the asset of the year of 2020, my these are all my of the years. So obviously, I'm not. Everyone else can kind of tell me to go fuck off if they want. But <laughs> um, but you know if I take the vault, right? The vault sort of was created out of necessity because you're at DeFi summer and there's tons of farming and you had to manage these portfolios and it was way easier to manage them in the smart contract than to do it individually in wallets. And then it became a standard over time, like the ERC 4626 standard. Uh, and, and obviously in Solana, they have an equivalent. So like I, realistically, the ETH and Solana ones are the only like true vault standards. I think other networks have them, but they're not like extremely standardized of like what it means to be a vault. But the existence of a vault was like one of the best developer tools ever. It made it super easy. And you can argue that like Uniswap v3 learned from that, like the, mm. the way it stores things. And so there's a sense in which maybe in ZK land, a way to actually get adoption is to invert that thing where you actually make a standard like this. That's like the token standard of like how to combine assets and like make attestations and then have those attestations be tied to like the minimum composite, some some functions of the composition economically without revealing a lot. And if that was an easy standard to use, then you could start making these like ZK assets. Right. And then I haven't seen anyone like really try to standard because like ZK people define making standards unsexy. No, there's no way of getting around <laughs> that. Like, like yeah. I, I'm not that type of, I don't like the idea of like writing specs for standards. It sounds boring, right? Like, but, but in every programming and open source community, there's always like some fraction of the community that is very much like, no, we must like only write like this type of module in this way, in this language, and here's a spec. Mm. And if you don't agree, get out, no pull requests. And like, there, there's like, they're the, the quote unquote, like soup Nazis of every op open source community. Yep. And uh, <laughs> I think like ZK could use a little bit of like someone like that whipping this type of asset into shape. I want to I want to explore what you just said quickly this this idea of 
what needs to be underneath. Do you think there's any work that's come from like the bridge work, the roll-up work, like basically doing the, the bridge work, ex- bridges that have to make this, like the bridges right? implicitly yeah. are making this. And so the question is like, like can you standardize? Yes, yes, exactly. And so the question is, can you standardize this so that it can be used in a lot of environments? Because I feel like that would make it a lot easier for like a DeFi developer who doesn't want to learn anything about ZK, but wants to just be able to like get some like values from this blob that's kept private. I like this. That's going, that's my prediction for asset of this year. (laughs) Cool. That's a cool one, actually. I mean, it's a little bit general and it feels almost like we are just kind of rehashing what ZK proof is, but but I think the standard for DeFi developers... The way you hold a bridged asset across a bridge, if it was private, not just for succinctness, would basically look like this, right? You would be like, there's some collateral that's State. private on the remote side. There's some attestations yep. that that collateral without leaking mm. its value is locked correctly. And that, you know, yep. you have balances here of this, that's an account tied to that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But, but like one could imagine making a more general standard that isn't here is like generic blob, here is generic computation that actually is useful and easy to develop for. We have three minutes. Guillermo, can you give a quick prediction in, in a short oh, man. moment? Uh, <laughs> can I give a quick prediction for what kind of asset yeah. is going to be like the asset? I, I've, been, I've been a little stuck on a, on a, you know, kind of MEV lately and, and a few other things that are similar in spirit, but my suspicion is things that are going to happen is one of the things that happen is uh, there's going to be weird future claims um, for kind of like interchain uh, MEV and interchain arbitrage and these kinds of things like these like weird derivatives where essentially what you're doing is you you bid now you bid now for for a for an expected future slot at some point and I think that's actually going to be like the the asset that defines twenty. 23 at least i mean that's probably honestly a more realistic prediction uh in the sense that like the zk (laughs) one needs like all the zk stuff to work so it might be like a year or so but uh yeah it's it's that's a very good one in in one other respect which is that like almost every mev on every chain including eth like flashbots is moving the direction of having you know this this uh there's a word for this that like functional programming people like, and I kind of like the the word for this, like there needs to be some version of this, but there's a thing called a thunk. Uh, and a thunk <laughs> is a way of like wrapping deferred computation that you can transfer yeah. around. So it's like, let's say I have some deferred computation that's like find the nth Fibonacci number. And uh, I, give you, I give you a little box, Anna, that's like, hey, this thing can compute the nth Fibonacci number. I've computed the first five, uh, but like, you know, you have to put in some like gas to get the sixth one out. So the idea of the computation exists, but it hasn't been paid for yet. And it's a very, it's a very natural way of thinking about these kind of like MEV future type of things. But yeah, th- these cross-chain like uh, futures and promises definitely inevitably will have to somehow be like assetized. I mean, the, the, the most hyped asset right now is like staking derivatives. But I kind of agree that these like MEV derivatives or like future rights derivatives, like land right, though those are like clearly going to be, yeah, th- those people already have made them. They just haven't like standardized them, maybe. But I, they, they haven't gone into public consciousness in the same way that like any of the other things. Well, pu- when I say public, I mean like very esoteric niche and, and my loving crypto Bitcoin, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, degenerates but- uh, world, but. But actually, do you think here's here's a question philosophically? Do you think that those will be standardized, or do you think 
there's actually excess value to not standardizing them because like each pair wants Ooh. more. <laughs> I I think I mean certainly at some point they'll be standardized. I, th- you think, I there think there will there be is, an like, ERC20 right doing it. Like a I think okay. there will be a right way of doing like these like futures, um, but these 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 partial futures, whatever. With like you have like additional, um, you know, things that you need to do to like step through the next point of the state machine. That being said, I think currently there will be some internal strife as to you know should we not standardize it because that means that there's other no, people no will start you know, stealing we can break our it. our liquidity. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. So, also, we can we can break it in whatever way we want. Yeah. Like you know, in the next iteration, if someone does something mm-hmm. and be like, oh, we added this like new epicycle, and like that's why yeah. It's kind of interesting. That, I mean, that's a very good question that I think next year we should revisit. Is like, did the bear market cause people? like it did with L1s in 2018, 2019, to all work together a bit? Right. Or will it cause people or to be like, gonna... no, 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 I don't <laughs> want you to steal my liquidity. I'm making my own standard. It does both, right. I think. But yeah, we should check in. It's good. <laughs> that sort of wraps up our look across sort of ideas and use cases for ZK, a little bit of a look forward. Uh, how are you feeling about 2023? Are you excited? Hell yeah. Well, hopefully. I don't know. I think I'm excited. Okay. Tarun? <laughs> um... I, it was good. It was good to take a vacation after many years. Uh, and uh, rosier outlook, maybe. I don't know about rosier, but you know, I will say during my vacation, I went to Switzerland and I, I went to Zug. And don't worry, I, not because I was like starting the stiff tongue or something, but I had relatives <laughs> there. Uh, uh, but like everyone in Switzerland is still positive on crypto, like all of them were just like. Uh, I was like shocked. I, I was it. kind of shocked, but like obviously there, there are, you know, Switzerland is the wrong place. In in some ways, I'm, I'm it's a very biased sample. This is the country that like had Bitcoin ATMs on sub on trains in 2015, right? But they're it's still only not benefited. I, that's the thing. It's like I, no uh, minus. With yeah, crypto. yeah. But I haven't. I, I even then they're still pretty. I was surprised by how positive people were. They were just like. Yeah, it's good to have the frauds out early. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> well, that's one way of looking at it. Cool. All right. Well, thanks to both of you for coming on. Thank you, Anna. Thanks. Thanks to Kobe, who had to leave early. Thanks to the ZK Podcast crew. Tanya, Rachel, Henrik, Adam, and to our listeners, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.